Hi, beauty. I'm so grateful you were led to this podcast. I'm your host, Miranda. Hi. I'm a wife, coach, and mom to four world changers. And this is the Recalibrating Hearts podcast. It's my heart that in this space, you would encounter the love of the Father and receive downloads, revelations, and solutions for partnering with God in your breakthrough. You'll also hear how we're building our family, powerful prayers and declarations for you, and ways to incorporate natural solutions for whole health. I think it's time to normalize spiritual breakthrough and walk in freedom with whole hearts. Holy Spirit, you get full permission to recalibrate our hearts. Let's go. you guys. I'm so excited to do this episode. This is like the testimony of how God brought my husband and I together. And miracles do happen, people. I hope you walk away from this inspired, refreshed, and just really in awe of what God can do with two broken people, but especially their surrender and faith piece. So I want to take you back to around 2004. I was 24 years old and I got divorced from my previous husband. I was married in 2001. We were both in the military, and I'm sure I'll share more about that down the road. We had Victoria together. She's now 19, and I got divorced in 2004. So I was about 24 years old and pretty lost, to say the least. I was on prescription antidepressants, Prozac. I was drinking on Prozac, and I didn't really realize the lethal combination of those. And turning to alcohol for to numb my pain so that was 24 fast forward to 2005 my sister and I were in a car headed um up to back home up here in Wisconsin and at the time I lived with her in Madison my daughter and I lived with her and our female another female roommate in Madison and we were on our way up to party okay we were just like let's do this And we were on our way in the car and both of us had this huge conviction following on us to turn around, turn that car around and go to a worship night. I moved to Madison because of Mad City Church at the time. Um, I shared part of my testimony in the beginning of this podcast or of the, yeah, of the podcast episode one, I believe. But I went to Madison because the church, like God drew me to Madison to heal my heart. So that church was hosting, somebody shared with us, was hosting a worship night, okay? This worship night was put on by International House of Prayer, IHOP Kansas City. There was this amazing new worship I, not new, it was just the worship I learned about called Harp and Bowl. And I'm setting the stage for like, to share why it was so powerful. It was different than what I've ever known. I've never been around the presence of God like that. So not only was church awesome, this was the worship night we were entering into, So my sister and I both got super convicted. We're supposed to turn around like in our tracks and we're going to go. So I turned around and I was like, I can't believe we're doing this. I was excited, um, like a little afraid, like what are we doing? And I haven't really pivoted like that in a while from the voice of God. So here we go. And that was around 2005. At that worship night, I rededicated my life to Christ. I told the Lord Listen, I messed up the first time. It went something like this, and I do remember it. But 
I'm going to do my best to recount it. I messed up my life the first time around. You know I desire, deeply desire a husband. I'm putting this all in your hands. You pick my spouse. And I will not be with anyone till you show me my husband and we get married. So I rededicated my life to the Lord. I rededicated my purity. Just committed my purity to him. And that was 2005. And shortly after, I move to Minnesota to go to acupuncture school, which I don't um, practice acupuncture any longer. And it was a beautiful time. It was really hardcore for me, Victoria and I, as a single parent. I, my mom and her husband lived next door and helped out the best she could. It's basically like our family, and I raised Victoria. So it was neat to have her next door, but we were always on the go. It was hard being a single parent, and hard is just being nice about it. And I just remember through those years, there was a lot of desolation. There was a lot of barrenness. It felt like barrenness in the spirit. Just a, I sought the Lord in his heart, but I was super broken, double-mindedness, um, d- depression, anxiety, phew, fear, anger, rage, so much in that season. And now I look back, of course, God was cultivating my heart. He was plowing he was preparing me, wow, for my husband. He was preparing me, but I really didn't trust or know. I know I dedicated my life, Lord, and I dedicated my purity and, you know, my hand in marriage or whatever for you to pick my husband, but are you going to really come through for me kind of thing? And that was 2006 through about 2010. And in that time, there were many, many male friends. I mean, I went to school with chiropractors, so there's many male friends, many awesome female friends. But I felt like there was a shield or a bubble around me. And it was really, I I know it was endearing and special, but I was also human. So I was like, I do have issues. Like it almost like the enemy used that. Okay. He used that. And of course I'll try to distort anything. So I was like, did I do the right thing? Um, Am I supposed to do this on my own? Lord, where are you? Man, I was just really just vying for a man's attention And so I was about 26. So this was from age about 26 to 30. And no suitors. I mean, people, of course, but nobody like asked me out. Okay. And so there was no boyfriend. There was nothing. It was just me and the Lord and my daughter. And near the end of that, before the the Lord was like, you're moving home, like stat, like two weeks. And I, I, I guess back then, maybe it was just because I was pursuing him hard. I don't really know. But I did hear like an internal audible, like, or I could say that's like something dropped almost from the sky. Like, boom, here's an impression. You're moving home. It's time. And I was like, no, it's not. My life is like planned here. Vic was going to a Christian school. You know, I don't know how I was making ends meet, but I was. And I have no clue how because the salary wasn't, you know, through school. It was a master's program and working 38 hours a week at Starbucks. Like, how does anyone even afford that much rent that I paid for the condo? Okay, God was in everything. So when he was like, it's time to move home, daughter. I was like, "Uh, everything's actually working out here. So thanks, I'll stay. And I'm like, but then I had to ask because I just had that kind of relationship too. I was like, how long? And I heard two weeks. And I was like, two weeks. Well, so before that, I was toying with the idea of being with a man who was separated from his wife for three years. Now I'm saying this because like, yes, I, I just, well, first I just want to share with you and I just feel, man, I think transparency vulnerability is so important because yes, 
in 2004, I, uh, 2005, I was like, Lord, yep, you get my life, you get this, you get that. But I had so many issues. I had so much stuff that I, I don't know, I didn't find my peace in there. Now, I did the best I could, okay? We got that. But the peace wasn't really there. And at the end, I'm going to share some things like what I would have wished I would have told my 30-year-old self, well, 26 to 30-year-old self. But I'll show that at the end. So it was neat that the Lord called me like back to my hometown because at that time I was entertaining the idea of being justifying even. Like the Lord's like, he's not for you. You're trying to pursue him. He is not for you. And I was like, but he's just separated from his wife for three years. Just, just, just. I was just justifying everything. And he just rescued me. God just rescued me. And I'm so grateful. And he made it very, very clear. Even the man was like, yes, sorry, it's just not the right timing. I don't know. It's just really weird. I, I must have been just at the end of my waiting. I mean, it was six years from the promise or since the promise of him finding me a mate. You know, is it ever going to happen? I surrendered it over and over again. So God moves me back home and this might maybe bless or speak to somebody, but I was like, why are you bringing me back? Like, I didn't do well here. This is my hometown. There's pain here. I'm moving in with my dad. I'm a failure. I just felt super broken. Yes, I had my degree, okay, quotes, but I was like, and I'm going to go open a clinic or work with somebody, but I just, he's like, I need to take you back to your basically past to heal your future. And I heard something like that. And I was like, journal. So I journaled. God's taking me back to my past to heal my future. But he did other things. He did so many things in layers. And I was like, but I just had everything in Minnesota. Okay. So fast forward to mm, a few months in. And I go to my beautiful friend Ida. And I'm like, um, just recently shared about her passing in the previous episode. And I'm like, hey girl, I need a prayer warrior, prayer partner. You're busy. You ain't it do you have somebody in mind who could pray with me? Because I left, uh, when I moved from Minnesota, there was a group of at least five to eight of us that were just close on fire, just really neat um, church stuff going on. And I came up north and I was like, well, I don't know nobody and I don't know where to start. So I asked my friend Ida and she's like, actually, I do know of somebody. And I was like, cool. So I reached out to this person and we became prayer partners Well, on my way to meet her for coffee, the father, I heard an internal audible voice only a a couple times in my lifetime. They are going to introduce you to your mate. Okay. He said, they're going to introduce you to your mate and I'm driving and I didn't swerve, but you know what I mean? You get this like, whoa, what's that? And I called my mom and I did roll my eyes ish. (laughs) Let's just say I had an attitude is just saying nicely. I was a little, little punk. But I was just like, Mom, God told me they're going to introduce me to my mate. She's like, no way. I totally feel something, too. And she's going on and on. And I'm like, okay, Mom, just just can you jot it down somewhere? I'm kind of over this whole, like, thing. I was pretty jaded and hurt and just kind of, like, hopelessness set in. And hope deferred really set in. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It really set in. So I go and I go to my coffee date and I walk in and I see her and I'm like, actually, there's potential here. Yeah, I'm going to play with that idea. We'll see. And so we get to know each other and it was, it's been a beautiful friendship. And I, 
a couple weeks into our one of our conversations, I just basically was like, oh, this is so lame and awkward. But hey, would there be any chance, would you know by any chance somebody who could potentially be my mate? Now, they knew I was saving myself. They knew I was, I rededicated my purity. We're talking like, they were like, dude, you deserve a pastor. We're going to hook you up. And um, it was interesting because... It's easier if I name names, but like Nicole was the prayer partner and her husband, Dewey, were sitting there looking at me and Dewey had like this twinkle in his eye and I'm like, wait, you know, somebody, you know, when you know, you know, you just know somebody has their whatever wheels are turning and Nicole's like, yeah, no, not at all. And I'm looking at this like interaction and I'm like, I think we're striking out ish. And so they left it alone because like, who do you know? And he wouldn't let me know. And I'm like, forget it. I'm leaving this alone. Well, a few weeks into that. So this had to be 2010-11. Okay. Because yes, I don't remember. So much happened around then. We're taking a walk through the back 40 in their area. And we're just taking a hike walk. And we walk around until we come up into his, um, my friend's father-in-law, or my friend's father's house, cabin actually. And we're walking and he turns around, looks at me. And I remember this day for sure, of course. And he's like, oh, sweet, you get to meet my cousin Freddie. And I was like, okay, because they want to introduce me to their family. And I was like, cool. And I walk up and I meet Fred. Well, I call him Fred, but it's Freddie. And I'm like, okay. And the funny, not so funny part, because he picks on me about this, is he had like a beer in his hand at 2.30 p.m. And I was like, who drinks beer right now? Now me, Miss Religious Judgmental XYZ was like, seriously, no. And don't even think about looking at me. Like, don't, you got none of this. You know, I was just sass. And he's like, you judged me from the beginning and we go back and forth, but it's okay. And I was like, yeah, nice, like beer, nice axe from chopping wood. I want none of this. Please, Lord, let me go so I can go keep walking on my beautiful hike. But I did meet Dewey's cousin. Well, fast forward to him coming over and him hanging out and my walls coming down and just a beautiful story for whenever I feel led to share that and what whatever the Lord wants me to share. We start getting to know each other and I realize this guy's really easy to talk to. Oh my goodness, is this the one? Of course, this conversation's in my head. Oh my goodness, no, I'm not ready. Well, it turns out Nicole and I get to go on an amazing um, wow, never will forget this life changing. I will share about this at some point. I prom life changing trip to Haiti with our, with my bestie Krista. And we get to go to Haiti and on the way to Haiti. Now remember God said, they're going to introduce you to your mate on the way to Haiti. I was like, I don't know. There's something about Fred. And she's like, well, I've been resisting because I want you to marry a pastor. You're so worth like a million dollars, like gold. You're, you're just, she was just so um, loving and protective of me. She's like, but Fred's heart's like this. And she started sharing about his heart. I don't know. Something just happened. And I started weeping and crying. And I'm like, oh no, I know when I cry, it usually means, oh no, oh, this is too much. I have to go to Haiti. So we're on our way to Haiti, right? On the way to the airport. So in Haiti, oh my goodness. And painting a wall because we were helping paint volunteer cabins, volunteer areas. And Haiti was different. It was a year after the earthquake. Um, so in Haiti, the Lord is like, I'm painting. And he's like, look, stop looking around because you're marrying, like Fred is your husband. I picked him for you. And he wasn't demanding. Please don't hear that. This is just as, as um, quick as I could be about it because this could take so long. And I want to respect your time and my time. 
But it's so important, right? I want to honor this story. So God was not demanding. He was not commanding. But he was gently reminding me (laughs) of the time in 2005 when I rededicated myself to him, when I rededicated my purity and how I gave him like the pen to my love story. And I was like, yes, we did talk about that. Oh my goodness, is it really him? And it did feel, it did feel like a peace in me. But I was like, really? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, Lord. It's actually happening. 2004, I got divorced from my previous husband. 2010-ish, I meet my future husband. The process on the way to the promise was so, to me, so intense incredible, different. I could seriously write a book. I don't know if I will one day. And I just want to say how special it was that when I asked Ida, my friend, for a prayer partner, how God totally used her to connect me to my friend, Nicole, who would soon be my family member because I married her husband, Dewey's cousin. So I like Ida said, hey, like people, it's just right place, right time, destiny. And it was so special. Wow. Just taking this in for a moment. It was so special when God fulfilled his promise to me because I surrendered my singleness to him. I surrendered um, my, I rededicated my life to him. Like he not only became God of my head and who I knew in my head, he became the God of my heart the king of my heart, the lover of my soul. And in the middle of the, of the process to the promise, he was my husband. And, and I remember Isaiah, mm, enlarge the place of your tent, um, 54. Anyway, Isaiah, where enlarge the place of my tent, stretch, stretch forth the curtains of my habitation, spare not lengthen my cords. Like he would just bring me to these verses in Isaiah that was like, the Lord is your husband. The Lord, the maker of the host is your husband. The the Lord of hosts is his name, whatever. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. And he would just bring me to those promises. And I was like, oh man, you totally are. I would journal them. I'd write them out. And I would do this. I was in process of obtaining or receiving the promise that the father had. And I'm wrapping this up a little bit. I want to wrap this up here. But basically... The testimony, the beautiful part, this other part. So not only did Ida introduce me to the people who introduced me to my mate. Thank you, Lord. God said they're going to introduce you to your mate. Just the gifts that he gives because of my faithfulness too to wait. Even though I was not perfect in the waiting. And I didn't do everything right in the waiting. He's still faithful. Like because he doesn't base his love and whatever on my performance. Like he bases everything through Jesus. So he sees me through Jesus' eyes. And so after a while, I don't even know how long, you guys, I was talking to Fred and he was like, somehow the story came up. He moved up there a few, you you know what? Did we move up around the same time? Yeah, I don't know. I'll go back to that, but I'll come back to that another time. But basically he was at the, the his parents' cabin is where, I, the who was next door to his his uncle. So I met him in his uncle's backyard, hundred or so feet from his front door. Okay. And he tells me, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know if marriage was in the cards for me. I actually was like kind of given up on that. And I was like, really? So weird. I thought everybody like wanted to be married. And 
He's like, no, I just basically said, God, I'm not going to the bars. I'm not going to church. I'm not going out. You're going to have to bring my wife. If you want me to marry somebody, you're going to have to bring my wife to my front door. It's way better when he says it. Okay, I'm not sure it had the impact he brought. God literally brought me to his uncle's backyard, 100 feet or so from his front door. And I just know the faithfulness of that and the testimony that I'm just like, thank you, Jesus, for his faithfulness. I'm so grateful that I held to my, it wasn't so much a vow, but promise or, Lord, hey, I give you my life, make something of it. Like, it's messed up. It's broken. I was on, oh, man, I was on antidepressants for a year. I was drinking on antidepressants, which equals blocking, blacking out, by the way, and severe dehydration. I was broken beyond, from in me, in my eyes, I was like, this is broken beyond repair. You can't fix this. And so I wanted to share before I close, uh, if I could go back and tell my single parent self, my single self, I was in a season of singleness for a while. And before that, never had a great relationship. So I just didn't even know what to expect, really. I just knew, Lord, please give me a man that has eyes only for me and you. And give me, because of what I experienced wasn't, and give me a man who loves us, you know, me and my, our future kids and just all that other things I wrote down and had a vision for. But if I could go back and go, hey, hey, Miranda, single Miranda, this is what I would say to single Miranda. And this is what I'm saying to whoever has ears to hear who's in a single season in their life of singleness. Find, like, take your peace, take your peace. Do whatever it takes to take your peace. Find your joy. Find your joy. Choose joy. Literally choose that joy. It's so beautiful. And make every day count. And these are not empty words. Like, I did not do this. I did my best. And I did the best I knew how. But when I say, take your peace, it's like, take your peace because the enemy tried to throw every single thing at me he could. Like his goal, if he can't get me to, you know, give in to not, you know, not to stay pure and to sleep around everybody and do whatever, no shame and condemnation on that. I just chose not to because my heart was already so shattered that would have made it so much worse and opened myself up to so many other things. And I had my daughter to live for and only sometimes that's all I lived for. But he threw everything at me. No one's going to want you. Nobody, you know, all these lies. And it's like, if he can't get you to do that and, you know, to indulge in all that stuff, then he's going to get to, he's going to steal and distract you from your purpose in that singleness. And there's so a purpose for that singleness. There was many, many purposes for my singleness. I'm not going to go into now. So take your peace, choose joy or find your joy, literally whatever, just ask the father for it. He gives, it's already inside and then make each and every day count. I think the best, so that's the advice I'd give myself. The best advice I read um, and whatever was become the person you want to marry, like become like the person you want to marry. And it's like personal development, reading books, like you name it. There's so much out there right now, but I just want to encourage you in your single season. If you find yourself in a single season is, or if you have like God has not, or will not forget about you. He has not forgotten about you. He is really preparing that person for you right now. And finally, when it came time right before I met Fred, I believe, I was like, Lord, please. I just, you know, I tried different prayers. It's so funny. Which one fits this time? 
Uh, which one's going to work, basically, is what I thought. But I was like, Lord, please don't bring us together until we're ready. Like, until the appointed time. Please don't bring my main to my life until the appointed time. And he really was faithful to bring us together right at the right time. But I will say that I would have even waited longer now. Like, he knew. Hey, they're they're waited. They've waited long enough. But, like, I would have waited longer to prepare myself even more. Because being married is for another episode, but is like a being like having a mirror to yourself and wow. And dying to yourself daily and surrendering like, Whoa, like never before. So I just want to, um, close with the faithfulness of God. Like he, he just came through on his promise for me. And I release the same thing he did for me, for you, for whoever needs that testimony is God do it again. Like he brought, the right man at the right place at the right time into my life, like the exact place I needed to be. Okay. Like a hundred feet or so from where the, my, my mate Fred was like, you're gonna have to bring me to your her to my front door. And he was kind of like, here's a prayer. Good luck with that. Have fun. And didn't really believe it was for him. I released that testimony over you for like that your mate you and you finding each other and God bringing you guys together right at the right time the right place, the right time with the right people. Bless you guys. And thank you so much for listening.